0: Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that still haunt us today. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal me. Now, who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. Whitehall Manor, also known as Whitehall State Historic Site, is a historic property located in Madison County, Kentucky. It is best known as the former home of Cassius Marcellus Clay, a prominent figure in 19th century American history. Whitehall Manor was built in 1798 by General Green Clay, who was a veteran of the American Revolutionary War. Cassius Clay, the most famous resident of Whitehall Manor, was General Green Clay's son. Clay was complex and influential figure in American history. He was an outspoken abolitionist, publisher, and diplomat. He is often referred to for his strong anti-slavery stance and his involvement in the emancipation movement in Kentucky. He used his newspaper, The True American, to advocate for the abolition of slavery and the rights of African Americans. He faced numerous threats and acts of violence due to his activism. In 1845, he survived an assassination attempt. In addition to his abolitionist work, Cassius Clay served as a United States Minister to Russia from 1861 to 1862. Whitehall Manor was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1968 in recognition of its historical significance. Today, Whitehall State Historic Site serves as a museum and educational center dedicated to preserving the history of Cassius Clay and his contributions to the abolitionist movement in American diplomacy. Visitors can tour the mansion and explore exhibits related to Clay's life. The 44-room mansion is known for its spirit activities. Clay, although well known for his political leanings, was also known for some less than savory behaviors, rumors of affairs and scandals. The prominent man seems unable to rest as employees and staff have reported seeing the man himself still roaming the halls of the stately manor. Joining me today is Mustafa Gadolori, who you might remember from the TV show Ghost Hunters, and soon to be returning to TV in a new show as producer and star of the new show called Haunted Discoveries. How'd I do, Mustafa? That was great. Yeah? Did I introduce you? You're I lit you up on IMDb, and you're listed as a producer of the new show.
1: Yes. Yes. Brandon and I uh, are the producers of it.
0: So how's that going? You're in Kentucky right now, ready to start filming again next week?
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to be filming. Uh, I think our first day of shooting is officially this Tuesday.
0: And my friend Craig Owens is there with you right now.
1: The illustrious Craig Owens, Mr. Fedora himself. Yes, he's, uh, he, he's out here. Craig's a trip. He's awesome.
0: Is he still wearing the fedora?
1: He is. Uh, he has one lined with metal and uh, they have these little spikes. And if you press a button, it shoots out these little missiles. I, I kind of made it for him. So it's a defense fedora that I made for him.
0: That was so kind of you. For those of you who don't know, Craig Owens is founder and creator of Bizarre Los Angeles. If you're not following that, go follow that. And author of um, Haunted by History, which is a book of haunted hotels. and. You haven't seen that book. It's a beautiful book, but yeah, I'm excited that he's with you. That he gets to film starting next week. But we're here to talk about this mansion that I had actually never heard of before. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I wanted to do this one. There's a lot of really great places we could have talked about, but I feel like um, Whitehall and the story of Cassius Clay, uh, not Muhammad Ali, but but, but Cassius Clay. Um is one that I think more people need to hear about, you know, he's a complex figure He's not one of those historical figures that you could entirely paint in a very kind of nice and uh All entirely heroic light, you know because of his personal failings, uh, you know as a family man and all that stuff but um just a just an incredible person just an incredible person
0: he went against the times by being an abolitionist in, although Kentucky, I know that Kentucky is part of like this, the South, when you quote unquote South, when you talk about the Civil War. But mm-hmm. Kentucky was where a lot of people went. If they, if they were part of the Southern states and the slavery states, it's called that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they wanted to defect, they actually went to Kentucky. I have a three times great grandfather that defected this, he was a Confederate soldier. Mm -hmm. He um, joined up, participated in one of the major, and I can't remember the name of it, but one of the main major battles and then walked away, literally walked away and went to Kentucky. And I went to the National Archives to go over his records because I was confused by all his, his Confederate Army records. And he said a lot of people who walked away from the Confederate Army went to Kentucky because they were more... It was, he was definitely going against the times. It was not a free state for short. Sure. Kentucky was not a free state, but they, this Cassius clay made it so that there were people that did not believe in slavery. So it was kind of a safe place to, for people to go that were from the South that didn't want to participate in, on the Confederate side. Um, yeah. So Cassius clay played a large part in Kentucky being at least a little more sympathetic than any other Southern
1: state. Yeah, I think so. From what we gathered from the historians on site at Whitehall, so Whitehall was something that we were trying to get for multiple seasons. Uh, It was about, I think, since we shot season one of the show and then season two, and then finally, it wasn't until we ended up making a really good impression on um, a gentleman by the name of Harold. in uh season two of the show, when we were filming in Perryville at the Perryville Battlefield, that he knew people at Whitehall, so he was able to get us in there and it's owned by the uh, the university, and they were they were able to get us in. It was from our understanding that Cassius Clay lived in an area that wasn't uh that that weren't abolitionists they were very very pro slavery so it was even more of like a really big deal for him to kind of go against the grain. And to do all that but this is a guy who also brokered the sale of alaska the assassination attempt that he survived you know that was like in a i was in front of like some 200 or 300 people and then the assassin from louisiana who tried to attack him with a bowie knife who did attack him with a bowie knife cassius clay then took that weapon and then turned it around on the guy and then started stabbing him and beating him so badly that the people tried to save the assassin's life and they threw him over like a cliff to go and try to save the guy's life because Cassius Clay was gonna kill him.
0: Well, he was from what I read, he was really fiery even into like his eighties. He was yeah. kind of a badass.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we had some really interesting things happen there when we were investigating. Um it it was it was a really It was kind of surreal to be in that place you know i mean to see a lot of those original um there's a lot of original paintings and a lot lot of original artifacts that that came from russia you know he was very very um well uh, acquainted with the russian royal family at the time so there's there's photos of of him with people um you know from the, the russian royal family There's um, a bunch of original artifacts and and uh, items from, you know, his time there and and his wife. That's 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 a big part of the story that's not really told about Whitehall is that for years, Cassius wasn't there. You know, he was away in Russia and he apparently had an affair with a Russian woman and his wife was really upset with him because not just because of the affair, but because he could have been home about like a year and a half, I think, if if, if I'm saying this correctly, uh, he could have been home about a year and a half earlier than his station in Russia was supposed to be. But I guess he was just either enjoying himself in Russia so much or just had more work to do over there. I don't know what it was, but he took his time getting back home.
0: He got yeah. divorced, right? Like that was not common in the 1800s.
1: Yeah, it, it was. it was definitely not common. And, and, you know, she, she came, his wife, I believe her name was Mary. She came from a very, very, very well-to-do influential family. So the renovations that she did to Whitehall, I mean, in the heat of the civil war, when people's homesteads and, you know, people were burning furniture just to stay warm, she was renovating and building a home. Like that's that's kind of crazy to think that somebody's going to renovate their house, you know, during wartime.
0: When other manors and mansions are being burned to the ground.
1: Yeah. And it's like, how are people going to be able to get the money to be able to do this? Because it's like it's not just like ordering something off of Amazon today and, you know, it arrives on your doorstep. Like if you needed to get anything to your place, like you needed to make sure that there were people guarding it. You needed to make sure that it arrived there safely. So you needed to have a strong enough and fortified enough outfit to protect whatever goods that you were transporting, you know, to your homestead. And then they were also your workers were also being protected while they were building it. So that's it's kind of crazy to think that, like, that's just how much money she had and how much influence that she had that she was able to get a massive renovation on an estate completed during the height of the Civil War.
0: Well, not only that, because she was a woman, and it wasn't, it wasn't also as well. I mean, during the Civil War, women kind of took up and ran homes, and because men were all fighting, yeah, it was uncommon too for a woman to have that much power to be able to run a home and renovate a home. I heard she almost doubled. I read somewhere that she almost doubled the size of the manor.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then she also tore down all of his uh fam- his family. Uh, his family farm trees they had like a uh, trees that were in his family for like generations these fruit trees And then she tore them all down just to kind of like mess with him when he came back, you know Because he had been gone for so long
0: and she's the one who divorced him.
1: Uh, I Believe so. Yes,
0: and then he went on to marry again. You know the story of
1: that. Oh, yeah, that's a that's that's a gnarly one Um, yeah, so the i forget the young woman's name but what was do you do you have her name handy with you i can find it Yeah, yes. I
0: think it was dora
1: dora yes so she was what 15 years old i believe he was she was yeah she was 15 years old and he was in his 70s at the time and it was like a really 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 controversial union like he cared for her and, and was like kind of obsessed with her and um they got married but then he felt bad after they had been married for a a couple of years or so he felt bad that um she wasn't with her childhood sweetheart and then he divorced her so she could be married to her childhood sweetheart and even gave them a portion of his land that they could go and live on so then here's this guy it
0: sounds like a soap opera
1: yeah it's it's kind of crazy so then here's this guy who's now living on this crazy old man's property and this is Cassius Clay he was a cantankerous kind of crazy dude like uh, the other thing too just because I'm gonna jump around about on this in a little bit is in his in his newspaper well, was true American right Right. Okay. yeah in his newspaper true American he was kind of like one of the first tabloid people. Like he was airing out his dirty laundry all the time.
0: And so like a copy of it.
1: Yeah, like it, it, he had like he talked about his personal problems with his wife in this newspaper. So it's kind of weird. Like when you think about people from that time period, you know, with their highfalutin, very proper language and, you know, their powdered wigs and stuff you kind of don't imagine it being like Perez Hilton you know it's it's kind of strange but Cassius Clay was very 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 um forthright and, and kind of sharing his own you know uh personal details about himself but he was also he was also like very um doomsday kind of pr- preparer like he had his entire newspaper outfit like rigged with like explosives and guns should it like ever come under attack
0: oh that's funny i read too that he had cannons at his house yeah so yeah he was yeah he was kind of a it's weird that you don't hear more about him
1: yeah yeah i mean he he even said that like you know before the last few days of Before he died, he said that he wanted on his headstone, um, you know, that he brokered the sale of Alaska. He was the guy did it, man. I mean, America sent him to Russia to basically I think it was personally to just get him out of Dodge because he was just causing so much trouble. But, um, I mean, who do you send? Who do you send to Russia, you know, to, to, to you know, broker the sale of a state except somebody who's like a crazy strong son of a gun and and that was cassius clay like they they sent him and he got it done but anyway back to dora um dora lived on cassius's property with her high school sweetheart after she had been married to him when she was like a teenager and then apparently there was there's this one story about you know a bunch of people who were um so up in arms about Cassius Clay marrying this young teen girl that they like went to his house, like a scene out of like Dracula. You know what I mean? With pitchforks and stuff. And Cassius Clay shot two of them dead. Well, that story is not true. Sure. There was a lot of outrage that he was going and marrying a, you know, a teen girl and he was in his seventies, but people are kind of, they were combining two stories. And he did shoot two people dead in his seventies who came to his home, but there were people who were trying to break in. You know, I guess folks who had heard that, you know, he had a lot of priceless artifacts and stuff in his house and they had tried sneaking into his place late at night. And he shot one of them and killed him uh, right in the home and then followed the other one outside and, and shot him. And the guy died, I think, on his lawn. And then, uh, yeah, so he killed like two people who tried to break into his home in, in his 70s in the middle of the night. You know, he just got the drop on him and he did that.
0: So but, what did um, you find at the house when you were there?
1: that? So, the investigation initially when we were when we first went in it was it was weird. There was a weird feeling when we were there. It kind of we we were at the top floor of the home and it felt like there was something there. It felt like there was someone there. But no matter what any kind of attempts that we had at trying to establish a line of communication or get some kind of back and forth going just really, really felt like it all felt flat. It just all fell flat. All of it fell flat. We couldn't get anything going. And it was kind of frustrating. So I just remember I was like sitting with Brandon and I'm sitting there and we're, we're talking. And I'm like, you know what, man? I'm like, this is a guy who's kind of seen everything. He's done everything. He's lived 50 lives when you stack them up against the average human being in terms of what he's accomplished and what he's done and what he's been through i'm like he's not going to entertain any of our bull crap. i'm like he's not gonna this isn't something we're gonna we're gonna do by just like hey how are you can you talk to me like anything like that so what we started to do was we set up some uh we set up some audio devices. We had the ambisonic microphone and, and then Brandon had his um H six zoom microphone. We set it up in a room and then I went into the room with Malia into his study where Cassius Clay, I, I believe that's that's where he passed away. And now and I started talking with Malia about Cassius's relationship with his wife, the one whom he had divorced and who built the house. So we started kind of going back and forth about it. And I intentionally got into an argument with Malia about a kind of like proverbial battle of the sexes, if you will. And I started really defending a lot of Cassius's actions and stuff and what he did and and what he was doing, much to Malia's chagrin. And while we were talking, while we were doing that, we started noticing that when we weren't getting anything before, we started registering uh, marked spikes in barometric pressure. Started getting these really, really significant spikes in barometric pressure. And then the arguments, we kept it going. We're going back and forth. And it was fun. And it was very, very like, um, kind of like a, it was was argumentative, but it was kind of like this, it was kind of flirtatious, but also just very kind of like, like, you know, you get those like that bickering back and forth between people you know, especially like that. But we're going back and forth, arguing back and forth, back and forth until we heard what sounded like somebody yelling, like, like a woman yelling. We don't know where it came from. So then we, st- we noticed that the barometric pr- pressure spikes, they stopped. We were like, oh, that was pretty great. Like, let's go back and review the audio that we have. So we went and we talked to Brandon about it. And then he came in the room. And he's like, oh wow! He was. This the energy in this room feels like much different. We told him what happened, so we were kind of going over what went down, and he started. Brandon, when he was referring to the uh, the home, he started. He called it by its original name, which was. I don't remember. I don't know. I for- I don't know. It's like I'm drawing such a blank. You have to forgive me because I'm like still recovering from the strip. No, but um, the original name of Whitehall, Claremont. So Claremont.
0: So he was calling it Claremont, which was the home was built by Cassius's dad, Green. Cl- Let's talk about the names of these people. The dad yeah. was green. His first name was green, the color green.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. He
0: named him Cassius, which was definitely not a common name. Mhm. And he named his home Claremont. When did it change to Whitehall?
1: So this is where things get really interesting, right? So Brandon keeps referring it to uh referring it to as a, as Claremont, thinking like that's the original name of the place. It's Claremont. That's what Cassius would have known known it as. That's what his father would have, you know, called it. And at the time, you know, the Clays especially like you know Cassius's father like they were the the largest landowners in, in Kentucky like they were quite lot they were probably the wealthiest family in Kentucky like they they owned a lot of land i mean Clay County is named after General Green Clay oh, okay so anyway that's just a sidebar but um while Brandon's calling it Claremont and we're doing short burst EVP sessions at that time because we had that audio phenomena When we're listening, after Brandon says, refers to it as Claremont, we hear a voice on the recording. So we go back and we listen to the voice again. And it's a man's voice. And what the man is saying is, this is Whitehall.
0: Oh, you caught that as an EVP? Or you heard it? No,
1: no, we caught it. We caught it. Okay. Saying, this is Whitehall. We caught it. So we're like, okay, well, why would they be saying that? So thankfully, we had one of the docents, you know, who's in charge of, you know, telling us everything and researching Whitehall and, you know, looking after the place from the university. He was there. And we were like, hey, when did this place, when did the name change to Whitehall? And he's like, well we don't really know when that happened, you know? And I was like, okay, well, can we, can we like try to find out? So he's like, and he's looking through his, you know, and he's looking through his, you know, his, his documentation and everything. He's like, actually the earliest known instance when it was referred to as Whitehall wasn't from Clay's wife or any other member of his family, but it was from him. And he started referring to the property as Whitehall, which is what a lot of English folks of consequence, right? People who had estates in England did when they wanted to refer to their property once they've reached a certain social status. They started referring to their homesteads, right? As Whitehall. Ah. So it'd be like, you know, James is Whitehall or. You know, Phillips Whitehall or Clay's Whitehall. Cassius Clay, I believe, was so, so focused and hell bent on being recognized for his accomplishments that he was very, very, very keen on ensuring that people referred to his estate by this more kind of like grandiloquent term, Whitehall. You know, yeah. so when, when Brandon kept referring to it as Claremont and you hear a voice, a guttural gruff voice insist over EVP saying, this is Whitehall like that, like, get it right. That, that's what we found like super interesting. And there's still a lot of audio from, from that investigation we have to sift through. Um, we haven't gotten through all of this, the season three uh stuff yet you know because we're we're filming the spin-off series here now and but that was that was really really cool i thought it was awesome because it was a really great instance where the activity seemed to be kicked off by actively engaging in something that was a motive for the figure who was associated with that location you know, a lot of times people like to go in places when they're on a paranormal investigation and they like to rehash certain gnarly or sordid historical facts, but they do it as a very kind of like fact-based thing and not an emotional-based thing. You know? Right. But I can tell I can tell you when I when I started arguing with Malia in defense of Cassius Clay. I, I, I was really trying to see his side of things when I, when I did it, like, I was just like, no, nah, man, she got it all wrong. Like, you know, like, she's, you know, maybe she should have been a bit nicer. And Malia's <laughs> sitting there rolling her eyes like, you know, so um, I, you I'd him. like it. you got
0: him yeah. all riled up to join in the combo
1: maybe i don't know but what i do know is that shortly after we did that we got that amazing evp and i'm pretty sure we got that other one of someone it sounded like a woman screaming um so hopefully we get some other stuff i don't know um but that that to me i thought was really really cool are you going back to
0: whitehall manor
1: oof i mean i'd like to um i don't know i mean season Season four of the show, we have a different thesis with that one. Um, I don't know if Whitehall falls under the parameters of what we're going to do for season four, but I would definitely go back to Whitehall. I mean, it was pretty tough getting there, uh, you know, in the first place. So any chance I get to get back there, I'll definitely take it.
0: Did you get anything else? I heard there was... People report seeing a woman and any young boy there. Did you get anything else?
1: I don't know if we got anything else. I mean, we're gonna have to check the, the cameras and the audio for that. But I know in the moment that's what that's what we got when we were at Whitehall. So I don't know what else we captured um, from that. But I do know from I do know from the folks who work there at the university sounds like from what they've seen and what they've gathered um there was one where they believe they saw the hand of uh of cassius clay on a stairwell and they identified the hand it's there's a painting of him it's the same exact hand that you see like in that painting they said they saw it on a railing there and then i believe that some people say that they uh see his wife Walking around. Um, I haven't seen her. Um, I don't. I think the person screaming may have been her. You know, in, in my kind of like adding fiction to fiction mind, maybe you know she was kind of screaming for Malia and I to stop arguing because she's like, I'm so sick and tired of this. Like all these arguments that I had with this dude when I was alive and making him sleep in another room. You know, like I'm done with it.
0: On a scale of one to ten
1: for spookiness, like, where do you rate Whitehall Manor? Ooh, spookiness. Um, it's not spooky. Uh, I, I would I would say, in terms of spookiness, it's probably a six. Like it's not it's not spooky. Um, what happened was really cool, and what happened, the phenomenon was 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 spooky. But I like Whitehall namely mainly because it's of the history that it has and how important it is to um america's lineage and, and just n- nobody knows about
0: it yeah it wasn't it's not a big thing that you learn about as far as no. like him as a person
1: no, no and, and he's a, and he's a, he's a tough figure i mean how do you how like okay yes he's an abolitionist you know but even even his even his it, it wasn't even like i think I think the person that I talked to, I mean, the the historical department, it's like they even said that abolitionist wasn't even the correct term for it. It's because there was like a distinction between people who believed in slaves being free at the time. It was namely like he didn't want like all slaves to be freed automatically at the time. He just wanted there to be no more new slaves and that the ones – who weren't the people who were enslaved to be legally freed? Like at the time, there it was like a different kind of thing. So like he had these really particular kind of beliefs and the ways he went about things. And then there's the fact that you know he's going around seventy-something years old screwing around with fifteen-year-old girls. Like you know that's sucks as hell and creepy. So but, but, it's but he's why also different
0: about him because he didn't have a good. Like what he did, as far as like being an abolitionist, that yeah. would, that would have got him in the history books, but because he had personal behaviors that were unsavory might yeah. be, that crossed him out, do you know what I mean,
1: yeah, but then again, I mean you know i i would I would argue that the same could kind of be said of like any great historical figure that people sure. talk about you know there's 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 tons of people in history who you know did great things but were also bad people in other ways so i just don't understand why someone like cassius clay who helped get us a whole freaking state and strategically alaska was so important like to the development of america like a lot of people think it's just like ice block in the middle of nowhere it's like alaska was really important for like the development especially for military purposes for the progression of america so like that's that's pretty huge
0: so maybe I don't know. I don't know what the reason is that nobody knows about it. Like I'd never even heard of until you emailed me about Whitehall Manor. I hadn't even heard of it before. I mean, it I, is kind of isolated, isn't it? Kind of out in like farmland.
1: Yeah, it's 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 certainly it's certainly not like a highway attraction. You definitely get to it. I would, if you're ever in Kentucky. I mean, I I would, tell people like if, if you could get on a tour to see it. It's just such a beautiful home. It's such a beautiful home. And and the artifacts there are amazing. It's some of the stuff that they have hanging up on the walls and just the fixtures. And the way they have stuff staged there is incredible. I mean, um, even the the morning rooms, because they still follow a lot of those like Victorian era kind of practices, how they had them staged in there. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really, really really beautiful. I mean, that was the one room I think they had it st- staged for like a morning and, and there was this one kind of room, it almost was like a slightly bigger than a closet how they had it set up. That was trippy to walk into. You'd kind of you kind of go a little haywire in the head if you sat there for too long, I think. I don't know. I I guess I guess the reason why it wasn't that spooky was because I was just so excited to finally be there and this is something like I had been trying to get into for like Around two around two years, and I finally got the chance to go in, but maybe my yeah maybe my opinion would change if I was there by myself.
0: What um tell me how do people watch Honda discoveries?
1: So Honda discoveries is first going to debut on T and E in Canada. Um, it's a TV network in Canada. It's uh, October sixth at nine PM. Uh, so that that'll be debuting there. Um, A U.S. release date, we're going to launch that. We're going to have to announce that soon, hopefully. Um, Can't talk about that yet. But uh, T&E on Canada first uh, as part of the network's Creep Week. So October 6th, that's when it'll be there. And uh, hopefully we'll have more news on folks outside of the Great White North where they can watch it um, after that.
0: And then tell me about Season 4. There's a difference. You're changing. You you call it changing your thesis for season four. Yeah. You're doing a totally different thing, which I'm so excited about.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So, so season four, we're going to, without giving too much away um, with season four, we're going to really, really keep it in a specific area. So there's, there's a we've been really going deep into a lot of the the cultural aspects of hauntings and how belief plays a part in a haunting and, you know, phenomena that people perceive to be like ghosts and hauntings. So what we're doing is we're kind of keeping it in one specific region. We're getting experts on the for, on a variety of different cultural beliefs and practices in this region. We're going to be doing some of these practices live on camera, which will include rituals which will include spells which will include all that stuff and it's not all bad stuff it's not like we're going to go sacrifice a goat on camera or anything like that but there's going to be a there's a very specific part of the country that has turned up as the possible source of some phenomena and some sightings that people have had um throughout our various investigations so we're going to kind of focus it all on that for uh season four so typically it's kind of like a road trip show you know we're going from spot to spot people are going from spot to spot we're going to get really really granular and really really specific with season four
0: and then what were you doing that had something to do with genealogy
1: Mm, yes that's that's what we're filming uh that's what we're filming here shortly it's a spin-off of haunted discoveries it's haunted discoveries family spirits so what we've been noticing a lot in our research is that almost everyone who's ever experienced a haunting a lot of times they are familial in nature a lot of times these hauntings are familial in nature and even people who necessarily don't believe in ghosts right or i talk to people i go to my physical therapist right and i'm there and i'm like hey like you know and they're like hey what do you do and i tell them what i do for a living and they say you know i don't really believe in ghosts but I had this thing happen after my uncle died, or you know, and it's like everybody had like every family has a ghost story, like every single one that I've come across, nearly every single one. So what we've been noticing a lot in our conversations with people and our research is that there are a lot of similarities between people's ghost stories, the phenomenon, the time frame in which it happened, the type of way it happened, the time of day it happened, what they felt, what they saw, what they smelled you know, certain experiences that they had. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to use this show as an opportunity to not only further our research into familial hauntings, but to give people a chance to tell their stories of their own uh, family spirits, if you will.
0: You have no idea how excited I am about
1: that. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, we got Craig. Craig's there and he's doing a deep dive into everybody's uh, familial history. A lot of the folks that we've spoken to have a a pretty good handle on their family history, and Craig's found some things that they may have not known of, and other people are kind of going into this blind, and um, it's going to be really cool to see their reactions to the stuff that Craig's unearthed for them. So um, it's a really, really, really cool show. And um, again, it's all part of uh, paranormal research, you know, so yeah. I'm I'm super stoked to to get started uh, filming here. We've been working on it for a long time. Yeah, so no, that's
0: my that's my gig: genealogy and ghost stories, and that's 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 my gig. I found out, you know, I've always been fascinated by ghost stories and the paranormal and mediumship and all that other stuff. I've always had this ever since I was a kid. Yeah, and, and when I started tracing my own family tree.
1: Okay.
0: One night, literally in the middle of the night, I was up super late doing my family tree. And I came across a census record where I found out that my great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents on my mother's side were spiritualists. Wow. They practiced, basically, they practiced the paranormal as a religion. And it, like a life mm. And I was like, oh my God, that's where it comes from. That's why... I have, not only did my family members technically believe in an afterlife, they, they, it was their religion for goodness sakes. So like it explained everything to me, it kind of like, just now I know why I'm who I am. And I always tell people that like, you have to go back in history, just sometimes little things that you always wondered about yourself has a very clear explanation. In your family tree, and I love that. So, like that show is literally—I'm—I can't wait to see that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm really stoked about it too. A lot of time for me, it's 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 really it's really hearing people talk about their their family members. It gets like uh, it's going to sound corny, but it gets it gets really emotional, and it's it's nice to see people care. Like right. you know, it's it sounds, it sounds so it sounds so basic, but it's just really nice to. It's really nice to hear somebody talk about like a, a deceased loved one or like uh an ancestor and they and they like honestly care about them. Yes. I know it sounds so basic and it's like such like a like second grade answer. But like I don't know, maybe I'm just from Jersey and everybody's so jaded. But it's like so nice just when somebody cares. I'm like, oh God, this is so refreshing and so nice. So like been great.
0: aren't we all looking for a sign? You know what I mean? That this isn't yeah. just that this isn't it. That this mm-hmm. is like we just go in a we become worm food. You know what I mean? Like everyone's looking, whether you think about it or not. I think everyone's attracted to stories like that because we're all looking for signs, not only from our loved ones that they still love us back, but also that this isn't it, that, that we, this isn't everything. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that you guys are doing that. I can't wait for that. And that's a spinoff from haunted discoveries. It's like a completely different show.
1: Yeah, it's a spinoff. It's called haunted discoveries, family spirits. And like I said, it's, it was just a natural progression for us because um, a lot of times You know, people always ask about, like, what's paranormal research like? What's paranormal research like? This is part of our research. Right. Hearing these stories and these accounts and making, you know, these kind of connections between people from all walks of life, from different parts of the countries, you know, similar experiences, um, you know, from different classes, you know, of society or whatever people done doesn't really matter you know a lot of their a lot of the experiences are very very similar we've been finding so uh, and then maybe we can find a commonality maybe there's some kind of gene you know maybe there's a gene of like mediumship or a gene of like having a vision to see certain entities that you know some people can see and that's something that's genetic we don't know so this is like the, the start of that
0: love that well thank you so much for doing this with me
1: Oh, thank you for having me on. Huh?
0: Good luck on everything. Tell Brandon I said hi and give my friend Craig a big hug for me.
1: I will. I'll give him a big hug and a kiss.
0: <laughs> you can just give him a hug. I don't I don't need you to make him feel uncomfortable.
1: I'm going to kiss him and I'm going to be like, oh, she told me to kiss you, dude. So
0: <laughs> well, have a really good weekend. Thank you so much. I hope you feel better.
1: I will. Thank you. Okay,
0: bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at HauntingHistoryPodcast.com for more information on each episode, links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.